0: Hello everyone and welcome once again to Insightfully Speaking, a podcast from Kardec Group. My name is Adam Osborne and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert as we talk about recent events, news and other interesting things with a guest as we look at the world from a spiritist perspective. Our guest for this episode is Sonia Arujo. The topics we're going to look at today are a fifth force of nature, psychological immunity, listening to the thoughts of others, and parallels between Hilma F. Clint and Martinus Thompson. As always, let's have a quick hello with my co-hosts. Anne Umberto, how are you? And what have you been up to recently? Hi, dear friends.
1: Hello, everybody. Nice to nice to be on the program again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what have you guys been up to in the past? a couple of weeks since we last talked.
1: Well, well uh, here we've been enjoying the summer in Europe, which is uh, really nice to have the light and the warmth, uh, and so make the most of it. Uh, one of the interesting things we did, we went to see the exhibition, the painting by uh, that we're going to talk about later, the Swedish painter. And I think that that is, uh, it was quite an uh, interesting um, occasion We'll yeah. talk about it more the later. The exhibition of
0: af Klint at the Tate Modern yeah. in London. It was a phenomenal exhibition, definitely. Um, I think words can't fully describe mm. it enough. Uh, but yeah, we might touch on that a little bit later. And Umberto, what about yourself?
2: Well, uh, I don't have uh, big news, but uh, we have been quite busy organizing uh, an event here in our city in Juiz Fora. Uh, in in about two weeks, we will uh, have a, a researchers gathering, uh, and it is uh, one of the main, or maybe the the main, uh, spiritist researchers uh, event around.
0: Yep. Well, we we've heard about it, and we're looking forward to it. Maybe we'll be able to get there ourselves. We don't know, but hey, you know, who knows what happens between in the next couple of weeks, really. So. I think we can already bring on our special guest for today. Today we're joined by Sonja Arujo from Denmark. Sonja has worked for many years to promote spiritism in Denmark, including helping to translate many spiritist books into Danish. Sonja has also helped to promote the work of painting medium Florenzo Anton and his fundraising events in Denmark. Sonja, hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. How have you been? And... What changes have you seen in the spiritist movement in Denmark over the past year or so?
3: Hello everybody. Nice to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation. Well, um I don't I, I don't think I really have observed any big change. I think the changes are easier to to observe along five ten years yes but the spiritist movement is, is still uh, going strong uh, what really impresses me is um, how this Danish group that call themselves for spiritists they they do not follow Allan Kardec but they uh, they make uh, they make mediumistic meetings, and they have a lot of education. This group has achieved uh, enormous amount of uh, members, of followers, and they also have achieved to become a registered religion in Denmark This uh, with the last two years, two, three years. So uh, this is uh, really impressive but it's another kind a little bit different uh, spiritism it's not like we know it from brazil
0: yeah now that's really interesting to hear because obviously we know that especially northern europe is a very spiritual spiritualistic place so to hear that there's any kind of movement happening even if it isn't directly related to kardec I think it's still a good thing because one day they'll pick up the medium's book or the or the spirit's book or the gospel according to spiritism and they go, oh, hello, who's this Frenchman? Yeah.
3: French yeah. <laughs> In fact, they sell the books for us, our books. They used to sell because they have so many members, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we don't have. So they are, uh, they sell our books and um one book or one uh, medium personality we have in common with this Danish group is um, the lady, Elizabeth Desperance, because mm. she is their guides. And they have uh, recently ed- uh, re-edited the book in a new form with an, a, a more modern language. And this book was also a great success. So it's a a spiritism like in England, I would say. It's a Mm -hmm. a kind of a copy of the English spiritualism. Yes.
1: I I think that uh, sometimes in different countries, uh, there are some cultural adjustments that are necessary. uh, And the spirits, uh, they come to everybody. And we interpret it according to our culture, where, where we're at, isn't it? So. I think that uh, all the pathways are valid and they all come together in the end. And sometimes we need something that's a bit closer to home to begin. And then afterwards we can go expanding our consciousness and go seeing other things. Because if we start off with something that's too different uh, there'll be a shock, there'll be a reaction. So we need to start uh, together. Let's say, uh, say if I'm a spirit me commun- a communication to something that people can relate to. Because if not, what is the point? And he, as mm. you know, here in the UK, the, the spiritualist movement was very big. It still is big, but uh, it was very big in, in the past, uh, all the way, particularly through the the wars and things like that, with a lot of mediumistic phenomena of people's relatives who had died in, in, in fighting in Europe and coming back to say that they'd passed. And very strong um, uh, sense of bringing consolation, but also philosophy through the... the The first spiritualists like um, uh, Oliver Lodge and, you know, well, and the work of William Crookes and all these things. So sometimes, you know, we we look at Spiritism and this is the pathway we have chosen because it speaks to our hearts and to our minds. And uh, it might not necessarily speak in the same way to other people's hearts and minds. Doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's just what, what fits for each one because everybody will receive a way to awaken and to and to move forward. That's, that's kind of how uh, I perceive it. Yes,
0: yep, exactly absolutely. the
1: way I also perceive it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, excellent. Well, let's get started with the topics that we had lined up for today. So the first one is, could scientists be on the verge of proving the existence of a fifth force of nature? Science at the moment considers four fundamental forces of nature, gravity, weak force, electromagnetism, and strong force. Gravity is what makes two masses or energies attract each other. Weak force is the force that causes particle decay. Electromagnetism is what gives us friction. Strong force helps particles join together. Experiments at the Fermilab Accelerator in America have resulted in observations of particles and subatomic particles called muons which have behaved in a way that does not fit with the four known forces of nature. While some try to align the results to be part of the standard model of the forces of nature, others are looking at this as potential evidence that a long theorized fifth force of nature does indeed exist. The issue now is that scientists can't quite agree on what the aspects of a fifth force would be except that it would not conform to any of the four known forces or a combination of them now in the spirits book we are told that it is not yet for us to know and understand all that there is in nature so my question to you all is we are obviously not quantum physicists but despite all the scientific research and evidence that has occurred since the time of Kardec and since he codified the spiritist works is there more to the universe than we actually know and can understand yes that
3: is the only <laughs> the only <laughs> reasonable answer <laughs> because it would be quite arrogant to believe that we know everything uh, with our few years of science on this planet,
1: I I agree, and it's uh, it's interesting because back in the nineteenth century and Victorian times, the scientists were quite arrogant, and they did think that they had done everything and catalogued every, every animal and every plant it just shows it just um just shows how uh, what a restricted vision as humans we had at the time thank god we, we've moved on from then and that we realize that there is infinite amount of knowledge that we don't have and as we develop new technologies that help us to see and experiment with that which our senses are limited to then naturally New things will be revealed, but I think within the, I do think there is an order, and I do think that there is a command, if you like, from God or or that greater force, and things are revealed at a pace in which it can be constructive for us, because even if some things were presented to us way before our time, we would not be able to understand, we would not be able to make sense of it, so we might not even be able to identify it. Uh, so step by step it's just natural that we will go discovering new things all the time so i am not surprised that they're talking that there is a new force and then there will be another one because i think that it that is how it is you you can't think that you know it all that uh, we know all that we have to know at the moment within our capabilities our technology but our technology advances and our consciousness advances our ability to interpret what we see advances and we will discover more and more things, for sure. That's my opinion.
2: Well, uh, without knowing anything about this fifth force and uh, what its properties might be, uh, we can say that uh, that would be a a huge discovery, not a a small one, because uh, we're talking about the basic uh, uh, physical forces in the universe uh all other phenomena they derive from from these basic forces so that would be a a huge change in our understanding of the world if if it would happen in the future but uh that reminds us that uh, great breakthroughs and great scientific discoveries are always possible and it's not only humbling uh, as my colleagues just said but it's also a very useful um, element for our scientific education. To, it's good to, re, to to be reminded that uh, we do not possess a vast knowledge of uh, how things work and what uh, things in nature ultimately are. So we should be uh, and we should remain in the uh, scientific attitude of uh, asking questions constantly and be prepared for novelty, be prepared for surprise, because uh, that would, uh, in order to range also in psychology, in sociology, in uh, in politics, in uh, further development of our moral conduct, that would uh, also help us uh, being opened to, to new progress, we cannot have progress if we still believe that we have uh, the majority or all the the possible knowledge uh, in the, in the universe.
0: Yep, I, I personally think that it's really great that the scientists are still out there trying to like break all the atoms and particles and things. You now you've got the 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 big colliders in CERN and in America, in America as well. Uh, you've got all like the Boson-Higgs particle that people were braving about uh, a couple of years ago. All these things where you can see that science still has a lot to learn.
1: I think it's a journey that has no end. Either going inwards to, to, to the intimacy of, of the very um, molecules and the energies that are the basis. And also going outwards to space, and each time they put a new telescope, they're all surprised. And mm. for me, I just uh, it's beyond my comprehension. I just like wow, I don't understand how they can you know decide what's out there and the different energies and things. But it goes in both directions. And then in the middle, we have our human body, and also there's all the time discovering new things about our human body so it was quite interesting that in the past people thought they knew it all now i think the in, in general the doctors have a much more humble approach say well we don't really understand how this works but if we do this we might have this result mm-hmm. and so on and so that is is better because when we become more humble we are more open to other possibilities and that doesn't diminish us in any way it actually i think shows that we are open uh, to new discoveries, to, to things that don't fit. Because uh, it would be an illusion to think we have control of everything.
2: Because Anne just mentioned the, the body. We can uh, mention the new discoveries about gut bacteria that uh, we know uh, to exist for decades. And they were regarded as a secondary thing we, without any specific role uh but uh besides uh, but uh, now we know that they affect our behavior uh the processes of our brain chemistry and so
1: and even uh, the anatomy of the body i, I mean i i studied midwifery um, 20 years ago and when we started learning about the anatomy of the female breast for for breastfeeding babies and lactation. Then they came up with this new discovery because in the past they the way the anatomy was described was using uh, dead bodies. that's how medicine you study dead bodies, and injecting wax uh, to see where you know how the channels work in, in the breast and so on. And so they had thought that there are some places they make like some sinuses a thing this way, and that's in all the anatomy books it was like that. And then when they did like a live uh, MRI, of a breastfeeding breast they saw that that did not exist and what the result was because that was caused by the wax pooling and expanding so the wax was not uh, 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 there was a dead body so that it was not working like like a, a body that was alive and lactating so they had to say oh my gosh we got our anatomy books wrong that is only recently because of the fact that we were only studying in the past dead bodies and they're not the same as life bodies. They have, they look the same, but the way that is functioning when you have got the energy and the flowing of the fluids is different. And that just gives a small example of uh, how we, uh, we build our knowledge. Yeah, it's really good, but there are some things that we got discovering. Oops, I think we got this slightly wrong.
0: <laughs> I think there's still a lot that we can understand, and we're going to talk about something quite similar in a little bit, but. Let's go to the next topic, which is sort of along, along the same kind of lines, but do we need to take as much care of our psychological immune system as we do of our normal immune system? The simple answer is yes, we do. All of us have our own coping mechanism, a form of mental self-defense or mental immune system, which helps us recognize and understand any difficult situation we're in and gives us the ability to analyze what is going on and the impulse to respond in a certain way. As with our physical health immune system, psychologists have seen that if we do not take care of our mental well-being, our mental immune system can respond and react in the wrong way to a negative situation, which can lead us to overthink negatively and to underestimate ourselves. Rather than to allow us to have the confidence and rationale needed to handle the situation constructively We know that from studying spiritism that we have a certain level of instinctive behavior and reactions That we have developed over our various incarnations And we also know that we have the innate fight-or-flight reaction within us so my question is what can we do to strengthen our mental immunity our mental well-being especially with respect to handling negative situations
3: yeah that's a good question i believe we at that uh, there are uh, different tools that one can use to achieve this and once I heard, I, th- I see things like through chemistry, biochemistry. And once I heard of a psychologist, I think, that um, the question is that we should put more of the good molecules that make you happy in your body uh, instead of the other ones of stress molecules and even w- once you are stressed and you are in the process with all that cortisol and and adrenaline rushing through your body uh, you you could try to think to s- step out uh, a minute or a moment and and try to think of something positive or give yourself a positive experience, like doing something you enjoy very much, listening to some music, and then you will build up the molecules. And at a the time, there will be many more of these good molecules in your body than the other ones. So it's a process. And, and once you know that and you know what makes you feel good and what makes you smile as some other would say then you try to experience more of that than other things other negative things
1: yeah i agree and um in the spirits book uh, the, the spirits suggest uh, a really important um idea which is the The knowledge of self know thyself and uh, when you know yourself like uh, we just heard you know what situations might be upsetting you and you recognize that uh, some things are difficult for you You might have trauma from your childhood or from even a previous life and it's uh, getting to know yourself because lots of things that that happen to us that we don't like we put it in our shadow as they call it the psychology we put it away somewhere where uh, we won't deal with it just yet because we are unable to or unwilling to to deal with it but if we're thinking about ourselves as eternal beings traveling through eternity and just temporarily in this body having these experiences then whatever is happening to us is an opportunity of growth of awakening of changing uh, and developing so that we can start to think about things instead of being like a victim of the situation but thinking what is this situation teaching me Oh, well, why do I feel upset by this why do I feel angry when my colleague is promoted instead of me and why is it affecting my body in this way and then recognize and say well I wish that I was promoted instead of them but this is like say we go we learn this is not a very good kind of Christian value so we put it away but actually the truth is that we do feel like that I mean I talk about myself in lots of different things and to actually recognize say well what does it mean it just means that i too would like to be promoted so if i want to be promoted what can i do to change my situation so to realize that maybe i'm not quite ready for that job yet and my colleague was uh, maybe there are hidden challenges in the job and i am being protected by not being promoted to it there are so many ways you can look at it in a more constructive way rather than just being angry about it but recognizing that you might feel angry and it's okay because it's a human emotion uh, and we uh, we just say okay how are we going to transform it and I like the like Sonia was saying transforming the the molecules and that then we start to have some uh, ability to mold our destiny to change things so that we have uh, more input but it's i think uh, self-knowledge is really important and to accept that we might have feelings that we might not like very much or we might think other people think are unacceptable but we need to look at them almost like scientifically and say what are you showing me what are you teaching me about myself it doesn't make me any less lovable And that's why i think we go back to the teaching of jesus love yourself is the first step and to be able to look and see uh, we have this universe of around us of our own feelings isn't it so i think that that is where where we can also potentially um be looking
2: great i couldn't agree more (laughs) with my two colleagues (laughs) Um, recent uh, developments in neuroscience show that we uh, have to, to start uh, uh, any significant change by considering what we can do. This is exactly what uh, Anne just said. Because it, it seems that uh, neuroplasticity is more susceptible to, to behavior, than to any change in thoughts, beliefs, or, uh, or feelings. Uh, the problem is that uh, people usually have the opposite belief. They believe that they first have to change their minds and uh, they have to learn uh, about a specific subject and then they have to change their feelings about the subject And then uh, with a lot of time, their behavior is going to change. But the fact is that uh, it it works uh, exactly the opposite way around. So first you have to uh, stand up and, and, and start exercising. And then your body is going to adapt to it. Your brain is going to adapt to it. And eventually you're going to like it. And eventually, you're going to want it, but people start uh, until they, uh, they they want and and feel good to to make the first move, and it's not going to happen. It will never happen. Uh, and it, it's also nice to to mention Jesus, not uh, as a, as a religious leader, but as a sage, uh, as a wise person, especially in practical wisdom, because. Um, Jesus and and other sages, they always say, well, change, modify your behavior, stop doing that, this is bad, do that, this is good. And that may seem too simplistic because they are not giving us specific rules and specific guidelines about how to change. So they, in, in their practical wisdom, they presuppose. That we just have to decide to do something, to stop doing something, or to change in a specific um, behavior way. Yeah,
0: I think obviously what everyone said is really pertinent, and and just picking up on what you're saying. So it's question nine hundred nineteen of the Spirit's book. Okay, I've got it very well remembered. Yeah know thyself. I think it's a it's a really important question. Many people cite it during lectures and presentations, but yeah, you're you're right. Knowing un- ourselves and understanding ourselves so we know what drives us, like like I said Sonia to and Umberto as well, to do these things that help to release all these extra hormones to like to help us to relax. And so do we really know how to relax? That's the other question. How how do we really relax? How, what's the methodology there? Do we really know? Because nowadays we're so so connected to everything online. We're connected to our phones, to our computers, to to streaming media. Do we really know how to relax?
1: That's that's an interesting question. And I think also of being in the company of self of ourselves and uh, um, I think like you take from yoga and things like that doing a little bit of breathing and just being con- reconnecting with who you are uh, and just feeling you know the pre- your presence in your body and the energy around uh, and just disconnecting for a moment because as we were talking before is that a lot of that is going to the outside world All this stimulation all this uh, technology takes it to the outside but what about coming into the inner world we become we lose the habit of coming back to our inner world which is just as important so we live in this world of dualities and we need to always be thinking uh, you know i'm going too much this way bring it back a bit this way so just finding this kind of balance
3: yes uh, it is i think uh, a matter and i think we all know about it a matter of self management because the world has so uh, give us so many options uh, there is so much we would like to try now because it is possible because it is outside it is there that it becomes difficult to say stop or just to uh, take time for oneself. And, uh, and that demands self-management, to be able to refuse offers uh, from the world. The young people are facing big problem in this, maybe not only in Denmark. Uh, here, the young people are really very much stressed and especially girls are facing uh, problems at school uh, because they, their focus is outside all the time. Their focus is on Snapchat, is on Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, and it's not a healthy. And uh, I think we are going to see in the years to come a great amount of young people needing specialized help but the good thing that might come out of this is that these young people when they become adults they probably will know themselves much better than our generation or our parents generation because they have, they will have been through this and they uh, we reach, uh, we find out themselves in a moment where they have to learn to say yes and why and no and why, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's like with any anything new and in your technology, you get it and you, you use it and you don't realize that they could have a, a side that is unhealthy and, and you go over the top and then come back and oh, that's uh need to rein it in kind of thing and uh, adjust it if you like and i think we're living through that because i mean even in my lifetime all this was non-existent in my in my sort of saying growing up and young adult years this is all coming much later in life to me and uh, it's just coming so fast that we we need to see you know how 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 to adjust and we go discovering and i have uh, i don't have a, a, a vision of doom and gloom but it's a, a more a vision of identifying or oh, we need to have some limits we need to understand that this is what is the good parts and which are the not so good parts and be able to guide the young people that come afterwards you know what's good and what's not good and so on And and, uh, I'm sure that we we will be getting there. But there will be some pain on the pathway as everything isn't it? Because it, it helps us to focus the mind and realize that if something is working or not working for us.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about focusing the mind. Let's go to the next topic. Is it really possible to read someone's thoughts? Well, that might not be the exact case in hand. But scientists from the University of California have found a way to translate brainwaves into music. By using a series of electrodes placed directly on the brain, scientists have been able to monitor the parts of the brain that process sound and have listened in on patients who have played a segment of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall. By decoding their brainwaves, the researchers were able to record an audible representation of the song which, while not crystal clear, is more like listening to it while underwater. This research, in combination with other research by the same university over 10 years ago, could pave the way in being able to allow people with severe neurological conditions or paralysis to communicate with those around them what are your thoughts on this kind of research and do you think it could give us opportunities of a form of telepathic communication and can you see any risks or benefits even for this kind of communication
3: i think uh, it's amazing so close we are to become telepathics (laughs) uh well before we become real um, telepathic beings i think we are going to we we have to go through this technology and uh recently i was in um in a study in uh as part of a thesis my son is electrical engineer and uh I was supposed to, to run a wheelchair with my brain, well, and, uh, virtually in a computer. So uh, first we would calibrate the instrument with left and right, stop and backwards, and then I would sit there with these electrodes on my head and try to control this wheelchair through the. Pathway. And uh, yes, I believe we are not so far. And this implicates in good things, security, maybe a a bigger level of security. We have already the cameras, right? Uh, Soon they will be able to read our thoughts before we make uh, wrong things out there they will, maybe through an airport or so, they will catch the people with bad intentions. Um, We are becoming more transparent. And the transparency of thoughts will be maybe the last step of all this. This is, again, Martinus, the Danish philosopher, who said that He wrote his books in the 20s and 30s and 40s. And he said in the future, the houses would be built much more of glass than stones. And that was the beginning of this transparency. We would look right through the glass into each other's home and houses. And this transparency we see when we're navigating through the internet, everything is registered. Every word we search for, every email we receive, any message through the telephone. So this is transparency. And this, so s- somehow we could say that our thoughts are already there. Everything we write everything we talk with another person uh, through uh, technology so uh, it's a, an interesting thought that they are they are doing this and as any other technology it uh, will be for for the good it would be uh, used for good things for therapy and co- better communication but it can also be misused. It's up to, up to the person using this technology, up to us, I would say. It's up to the human being to administrate. And of course, politicians and people that make the laws and so on. But they cannot stop the technology being there. We know that um, about uh, cloning, about uh, uh, biology, uh, politicians, they made the law that you should not clone human beings. Uh, we would clone an animal, but we would stop there. And we know that some countries have done that already because you can't stop technology. They, and the scientists, they want to see how far can we go, how far can, can we reach and w- what can we use this technology for?
2: Yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> I think that we uh, already see a sort of telepathy in uh, communication apps and, and, and social medias, because I know what my, my friend is thinking in Japan instantly. And how is she feeling about what is happening or what she is living in in China or Japan instantly. So uh, things are very uh, disclosed already. And even if our houses are not made of glass, uh, our lives and our social lives and our thoughts and our feelings are pretty much made of glass now. They are very exposed. They are very uh, intentionally exposed sometimes unintentionally exposed because we are recorded by by other people all the time and we are implied in other people comments and, and and videos and so and so so the the total amount of of data about us that is now exposed to everyone all the time is uh impossible to to measure, and uh, very soon we will have artificial intelligences that will check all that, and I can put uh, Anne's Sinclair name uh, on the the app, in an artificial intelligence, and the app will show me, well, all the videos in which uh, she is um that were made for f- from other people that that were made by other people so uh if we imagine all the extension of what could be done with that that's really uh, astonishing and and overwhelming so um again uh, I I follow you uh in being optimistic but we will have really to think about that and we'll have to learn Uh, how to to, to manage and how to administrate all the situation, especially if we want to protect the the young uh, generation, the the children of this generation from being manipulated or from being overwhelmed by by stress and anxiety, which is already happening. So we have to engage in this conversation. We have to really... um, stop a little bit and, and give it some thought because this ha- has consequences.
1: I just wanted to, yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you. I just wanted to bring an, in a slightly different uh, angle that was crossing my mind. Um, so as spiritists, we we uh, understand that the, the the spiritual world with a different dimension that... Uh, you you are in a transparent life there that the spirits can see you who you who you are uh, your thoughts your past um, so you can't pretend so here on earth we used to think we could pretend quite well put on a really good mask and smile and you know uh, we could uh, make other people think oh, maybe we're nice people while our inner thoughts might have been perhaps quite different but I remember the spirits saying well we we can see your thoughts we know exactly what what you're thinking where your heart is and the first times I, I i i heard this i was shocked and i was like a bit like oh my gosh oh my gosh they can hear me they can see me <laughs> is it okay let's see what what you know what things might i be embarrassed about so i think it's it's also can be thinking about it's the progression that all of humanity is going through and uh, yes we're going through a material transparency happening but we also have a spiritual transparency also happening and uh, if we are okay with who we are uh, then that that we don't have that panic oh my gosh people are going to see me for who I really am because we are not pretending to be better than we are or to be perfect when we're not Uh, and so on and when we start to look at our transparency then we also can have compassion for our neighbors our friends our colleagues because we are all equally being revealed so there it makes me think about this transparency i like the the word that uh, Sonia brought in because it's about uh, what what if we have let's say our energy what does our energy show the world the world uh, on the different dimensions on the earth dimension of the material dimension but also on the spiritual one and if we were to meet somebody and somebody were to see us naked uh, spiritually would we be ashamed you know why would we be ashamed and that is going back again to the self-knowledge of understanding um our pathway where we are at we are not perfect so it's okay you know, but if we are pretending to be perfect, then then we have to be hiding our um, deficiencies because we are pretending to be something that we are not quite there. I think that, look for me, technology is, I always joke about this. Maybe people heard me did this joke before. I grew up with some cartoons called the Jetson family. Yeah. And I remember they, when I was a child and they had like a, a, a watch that had like a little TV on it. And they could speak on it to their relatives, yeah, you know. And I was thinking, ha, 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 that will never happen. <laughs> I remember this when I was a child, thinking this is so crazy, this is impossible. And now everybody's there you know, talking on, on their Apple Watch or whatever, and it's just part of normal life. And I just feel a little bit like a dinosaur when I see these things. <laughs> it's, it's all yeah. happening so quickly. And I just think like the example that Sonia gave of being able to manipulate a wheelchair, uh, if you are with your thoughts, if you are impaired to that way, that it just could be so revolutionizing to people who are going through that experience of being paralyzed and having the mobility stopped. And I just think I find it really exciting. And uh, yes, there will be people coming up with bad plans. There always are, but, they are also revealing themselves. And uh, I think that the good that can come from it, it is really exciting.
0: Well, let's go to the last topic for today. And obviously in the past couple of episodes, we've talked about uh, Hilma F. Clint And yes, Annie, you, know, you came with us to a group visit to the Tate Modern in London to see uh, an exhibition of her works. And you know, they were absolutely fantastic really but Sonia there's something that you mentioned the other day because you've also seen her works and so I want to know from both of you how that experience has been
3: Um, it 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 was amazing to see her work uh, the spirituality in in her paintings it was really Amazing because uh, I have seen the pictures made by Martinus, the symbols Martinus, this Danish philosopher has made, and uh, I saw some some parallel between her work and Martinus' work. But they didn't meet each other. They didn't know about each other. But they were born about the same period and uh it is funny because she didn't show her work until be- uh, after 20 years after her death i think she asked for those paintings to remain secret until a number of years after she had left the planet so nobody knew this about this work But what I enjoyed much more when I was at the exhibition was to read in a little piece of paper that she held spiritist meetings in her uh, cellar, I think, uh, together with three or four uh, friends. And she did that during many years. And she worked with uh, automatic writing. So she was very spiritualist, and got that from somewhere. Those beautiful uh, paintings that uh, show what happens behind the curtains, uh, behind the physical world we see here around us.
0: Yeah, I think that their group was called the Five, uh, the Five Ladies. This all of them I, artists I, who who worked together yes. and they were apparently part of the uh, edelweiss society in sweden which was the spiritist or spiritualist group
1: i think that it's really interesting because yeah she was at the end of the 19th century beginning of the 20th century and it just re- reflects for me that you know we come here to earth for a life we come uh, with our individual missions Uh, of uh, work that we've agreed to bring to um, share with our brothers and sisters and to uh, break the boundaries and progress and of course so she was attracted to this so she she had a a pathway in which this was revealed to her I understand uh, correct me if I'm wrong Adam that some of the paintings were done under the influence of the spirits and in part, that was why also she was rejected. Because yes. I can't remember, somebody said she won't show her paintings, says, oh, this is very interesting. And then she said, well, but actually it's not mine. Some of them are painted by the spirits. And then said, "Then they have no value. And then she said, okay, the world is not ready for them.
0: Yeah, and, she, uh, she's, she's very interested in uh, theosophy. the theosophy. The, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, theosophy? Yeah, as well. Yeah. And uh, she met Rudolf Steiner a couple of times and tried to get him to promote her works, but he rejected the works on multiple occasions. Yeah, which is why, even though she had apparently ex- exhibited some of her uh, automatic, automatic work, the paintings that she rec- received or was inspired by through mediumship, she exhibited some, especially uh, the, I think it's the 1928 uh, Spiritist, congress in london um because we're uh, this is on the documentary about her um beyond beyond the visible uh they mentioned about this but exactly people like Rudolf steiner these people that she looked up to but rejected the work so she like put these symbols on a large section of them and said these keep them safe for 20 years until after i've passed away yeah
1: mm. And I think it was um, there was an element also, like say, of looking beyond uh, that the materiality of the world, that and even things like uh, you know X rays and how we can see beyond and discover what's going on beyond, and how I, I really like to use this color, like say, for for um, masculine and feminine uh, and showing. For me, it seems like conception of how you even like some of this looks like the DNA um uh, symbol and how the the yellow and uh and um, the blue are coming together and then you have like a new life form is coming uh as showing how it is that the new bodies are coming forth and the progression through the different uh um species of animals and all kinds of things i think it was very thought-provoking i think it was quite lyrical in places quite poetical quite beautiful but there was also interesting i think some designs so uh, they had some pictures uh, from carl gustav jung's uh, red book uh, some of the things that he brought from the subconscious mind when he was experimenting with it and then some of the symbology and some of the aspects You could draw some parallels as well so they had it in the exhibition like to just as thought provoking and you're just thinking all of us even the most materialistic of the of the persons is under the influence of the spiritual realm because we are immersed in in the spiritual world as well as in the material world and we are receiving the influence from the other spirits but we are also telepathically receiving influence from one another So when our radio is turned on to some particular thing those those influences are coming even if we think it's all our own creation doesn't matter because what matters is you know what's coming through how can that help but we know that we are all affecting one another in in all the different dimensions and uh, we don't really have that too much in science yet but that will come one day as well but i think art can go ahead of science because it's just be it has that freedom to express itself like that and then afterwards people will look and think oh this this is interesting i can interpret this like this or that
0: yeah i think and because she's recognized as being the first abstract artist and when you look at her works they are so beyond what other people were coming up with as well and yeah, the, the, the parallels of like Jung's work, um, I remember that those um, pages from was uh, Goeth, uh, his books about the theory of color as well. all these other things that w- were there to show this parallel. But Sonia, you were talking about uh, Martinus Thompson.
3: Martinus was uh, a man born in 1890. A uh, son of uh, a single mother at that time was not very common and uh, he was from the countryside, in very poor. But Martinus uh, worked at a company as kind of machine writer or so and at the age of 30 years he got during a meditation, he got like a, a cosmos insight. He saw the universe. First, he saw the figure of Jesus coming to him, and then he saw the universe and how everything was put together. He got this understanding, intuitive understanding of life. And then he started to write his Book of Life. He calls it Book of Life. It's in seven um, very big books, 10,000 pages. (laughs) They are really big. I have them here, but it's something, you know, uh, impossible to hold and and read in a bus uh, because they are very long, very high, and so thick here but everything about life about uh, several lives reincarnation about progress through species from mineral to human and and uh, all aspects of life very interesting and uh, he cuts everything down to one or maybe two very simple phrases, which I think is the most wonderful thing I read in his work. And it is that love one another is the main reason that we are born for. So he's very Christian. uh, All his words image of Jesus, or uh, radiates Jesus, his love for Jesus. And he says, love one another is the main reason that we are born, and forgiveness, we should practice it all the time. But for understanding why he, he reached to this, he writes a lot of very logical in rational uh, things about life that uh, uh, ends up with these two conclusions. So then it becomes very easy to understand why we should forgive always and why we should love always. So uh, this is Martinus and I have been um, uh, visiting some study groups uh, in Martinus philosophy, sometimes parallel with the studies of Alan Kardec, because I found so, so many similarities that I wanted to understand who this man was. And uh, I'm still not finished, because it's a really big work, and uh, it demands uh, that you... Pr- read it with this you know in profoundness so uh, i'm still there but i can i can recommend the, to read his works they are translated into several languages uh i think also to portuguese yes
0: excellent we'll, we'll we'll try to find the links and put them in the description for this episode i think that's it that's all we have time for for today so thank you all for all your thoughts and views on these topics and before we go to end for the moment of reflection we'd just like to remind everyone that if you want to watch or listen to any of our previous episodes of Insightfully Speaking you can find them on the main podcast systems as well as the video versions available on the Kardec Group YouTube channel and you can always find more information about Kardec group and our activities such as our weekly studies, um, the Spiritism X events, and our fundraising campaigns. You can find all that on our social media accounts just look for Kardec group or via our website www.cardec.org.uk. And what do you have for us today for our moment of reflection?
1: Hi um I'm taking a um... A text today from a little book called christian agenda by the spirit andre Luiz through the mediumship of francisco Candes xavier who's a very famous uh, brazilian medium already back in the spiritual world uh, andre Luiz uh, used to be a doctor in his last incarnation and uh, i like the way he writes because it's quite uh, he always has a practical approach so i opened it up on uh, message number 17 Which says, in truth. And it goes, the saint does not condemn the sinner. He helps him without being presumptuous. The wise person does not ridicule one who is ignorant. He instructs them in a brotherly manner. The enlightened person does not insult those who are walking in darkness. He illuminates their pathway. The instructor does not blame the stumbling apprentice. It is the insecure sheep which most needs the shepherd. The good person does not persecute one who is bad. They assist them to better themselves. The strong person does not malign the weak. They help them to raise themselves up. The humble person does not avoid one who is proud. They cooperate silently in their favour. The sincere person does not disturb others. They bring harmony to all. The unpretentious do not criticise the vain. Whenever necessary, they help them Without ostentation. The Christian does not hate or hurt. They follow Christ, serving the world. Otherwise, titles of virtue would only be external coverings which time would destroy. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Anne. Well folks, that is it for another episode of Insightfully Speaking So it leaves me just to say a really big thank you to my co-hosts Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert And also a bigger thank you to our guest Sonia Araujo My name is Adam Osborne and I hope you can join us again next time for another episode of Insightfully Speaking Looking at the world from a spiritist perspective